afternoon, everybody. Here we are again. And anybody looking in on this video, welcome. Glad to have you. Take your Bibles, please, and open up to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, please. And we're just going to read a few verses here. <clears throat> I'll read, just follow along. Acts chapter 9, verse 27. We'll start there. But Barnabas took him, that's uh, Saul, the Apostle Paul, and brought him to the, to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem. And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him. Which when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. Let's pray now for a minute. Father, we just thank you now, Lord, for this passage of Scripture and this little bit we're going to look at. We just pray, Lord, it will touch our hearts and something will be good for us to edify us, Lord. And we just thank you for your grace now. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're just going to look at uh, one little bit here in uh, verse in verse. Uh, uh, 31, as it were. We know what's taken place. And the Apostle Paul got saved on the Damascus Road, and uh, before that, he was wreaking havoc with the churches and dragging people off to Jerusalem. He was on his way to Damascus to drag the, any believers down to Jerusalem and then do all kinds of things there. But he got saved, and he went in with the brethren. He was. Uh, they understood then that uh, he had uh, certainly got saved. And he was preaching the Lord Jesus. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. and then the, the Jews were trying to kill the Apostle Paul too. They wanted to get rid of him. And verse 30, when, when the brethren knew about this, they brought him down to Caesarea. And he sent him forth to Tarsus. And he was from up that area, I believe. And then the churches had rest. All the, they weren't after the Apostle Paul wasn't there. The Jews weren't after them after so much, I guess. And... Uh, I guess perhaps you could say it was because the Apostle Paul got saved, perhaps, that he's talking about there, that the churches then had some rest because of, uh, they weren't being persecuted like they were. But we want to look at, <clears throat> excuse me, just a little bit here in um, verse 31, uh, Samaria, and were edified, in this bit here, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. Now, I just, uh, my own devotions uh, lately have been in the book of Acts, and then when I come across a thing that, well, it just kind of jumps out at me. I, I've never seen this like this in this way before. Sometimes you read the Bible, and they've read how many times you've read through the book of Acts, you know, and uh, then something would jump out at you. You've never seen it. Like the Lord draws you to a particular portion of Scripture. And there's two things here. The churches were, uh, they had peace, and they were edified, and they were walking with the Lord, but they walked in two things. Let's look at this right here. They walked in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Two completely opposite things. We just want to talk about that for a minute today to look at that. Um, we see that, let's just look at the uh, fear of the Lord. First of all, that word fear is where we get our word phobia. Um, it has an idea of respect to it and there's a, a natural kind of a, an instinct to stay away from a particular thing. Uh, originally, the uh, idea was that it meant to be put into flight, to run away from this. That was a dangerous, dangerous thing. So we think of the fear of the Lord. Uh, we think of the fear of God's person. Um, 
it's just a tremendous, tremendous thing. The Bible says that our God is a, a consuming fire. And uh, you know what a fire is, and a fire, we use it for warmth. But uh, it has to be respected, doesn't it? Or if it gets out of control or something, and there's a punishing aspect to it, isn't there? So, tremendous thing. Uh, God's person. The Bible says that nobody has seen God's face, and, and uh, nobody can stand before Him. See, every time they read about somebody standing before the Lord, they would fall down. There's a great fear. Even the devils fear, and they tremble at the, uh, 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 the person of God, at the, at the Father, at the Lord Jesus Christ. They, they just tremble. And there's the fear of God's person, the fear of God's presence, to be in God's presence. Could you imagine that day uh, when everybody that uh, the unsaved brought up before the Lord, and I won't get into who's all going to be there and that, but everybody will stand before Him at some point, and uh, you will bow to the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, oh, I would never, I don't believe that. Yeah, someday you'll believe it. Someday you will bow. You will. And I think out of fear, you'll be just be quivering in your father. Could you imagine the fear that those soldiers would have standing before the Lord Jesus Christ, the ones that beat him and all, all that? Could you imagine? I can't imagine. But the fear of God's person, the fear of God's presence, okay? And the fear of God's punishment. God will punish sin. Devil made, uh, God made a, a, the lake of fire as a place for the devil and his angels to be in. And then we know the account back in Genesis how Adam and Eve fell into the devil's trap. And then uh, um, God had to, he, there was a curse upon mankind, a curse upon the earth and everything else. And uh, um, the whole world would be a slave to sin and so on and so on, so on and so forth. But God has made a way, hasn't he? He's made a way for the, through the gospel for people to get off of that and out of that curse and off of that particular road. But the punishment, you get a chance in this life to hear the gospel. Many people don't want to hear it. I remember, I think back, I can only remember uh, one time in particular when somebody shared a gospel track with me when I was being unsaved. But I remember them, as a young lad being taken to the, to the gospel meetings and such, and hearing the gospel had a great effect. But you could still go to those places and hear those things, but if, unless you come to the Lord, you turn, you uh, uh, repent, and you believe in Jesus Christ, you won't be saved, and the fear of God's punishment will be a real thing. But it's a horrible thing to think about, but it's the reality of things, and it's part of what the Spirit of God wants us to tell people, wants to tell them, wants us to tell people that they're sinners, that Jesus Christ is the Savior, and there is a hell, there's a punishment. And it tells us that in John chapter 14, verse 16. Um, the problem of this world as we have it today, as we look around and see the things increasing, last week we talked about uh, um, UFOs and such like that, how that's increasing, but at the same time take note what's happening in the world in, in regard to God. The things of God are decreasing and this other stuff is increasing. The world is getting more and more uh, godless and moving away from God, okay? And there is no fear of God. Could you imagine if the fear of God was upon every person in the world, all, all crime and bad things would stop? Because there would be a healthy fear of God, just a, that respect of God. And uh, just a tremendous thing to think about that. They walked in the fear of the Lord, and we should, even as believers, there should be a, a healthy, proper, respectful fear of the Lord um, in the uh, um, 
in the uh, definition of this word fears, phobia, not a mere fear of his power and righteous retribution, but a wholesome <coughs> dread of displeasing him. Uh, a fear which banishes the terror that shrinks from his presence. The uh, reverential fear of God will also inspire a constant carefulness in dealing with others in his fear. God has said that we're to love one another. We are to treat other people. Remember that man was made in the image of God and treat other people with respect and so on and so forth. God commands this. So we should, and we should then treat being a constant carefulness how we speak to and how we deal with other people. And uh, one word there I thought was an interesting thing, the reverential fear of God. How many times you hear that um, people in certain denominations and such, and they call the leader, they call him reverend. Uh, the Bible says that God's name, he's holy and reverend, Amen. not mankind. Mm -hmm. And if you call yourself one of those, you ought to repent of that. That's a serious, serious thing. It's, they do that because there's no fear of God. They don't know God. I, that's... That's my opinion. You don't have to take my opinion. I don't think they know God. If a man calls himself a reverend, I'm not reverend, no reverend, no reverential fear here. You fear God, not mankind. You know, that's what it should be. Because that, that phobia, not a mere fear of his power and righteous retribution, but a wholesome dread of displeasing him. Okay? So we see that they walked in that, but it doesn't stop there. There's that aspect to our walk, that aspect to our lives. God is to be respected for who He is. God who is so powerful in what He can do, what He's going to do, and yet He deals with us in such kindness and such. And that brings us to the second part. They walked in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Let's talk about that for just for a minute, the comfort. Uh, comfort, well, we'll do the definition first of all. It's, it means a calling to one side. It's a calling, uh, it comes to one side and combines encouragement with alleviation of grief. That's what the Spirit of God does. Now, I was thinking about this. We may live in the fear of God. We may have a, a, a real uh, healthy fear of, of God and, and such like that. But do we live in the comfort of the Holy Spirit? Do we live in that comfort? Do we look to Him for that comfort? And I wonder if this is one of the problems we have in Christianity today that we don't, I'm not talking about Pentecostalism and such, where they elevate this, the Holy Spirit above the Lord Jesus and everything else. That's backwards. It says the Holy Spirit will speak of Christ and point us to Christ, okay? Um, but uh, just the, uh, the things that He wants to do for us, are you discomforted at any time? What do you do when you're discomforted? We should call out to the Comforter. Lord, this is your title. This is what you do. I need that right now. But we need comfort from what? Well, life's difficulties for one thing. Has anybody found out yet that life is difficult? <laughs> yeah, it could be. It could really drag you down. And the older you get, the more difficult it becomes. Okay? But how are we comforted? How are you comforted? Some people are comforted by going up buying something. Some people are comforted by uh, uh, drinking booze. Some people are comforted by whatever, fill in the gap, okay? No, that's just, that's all backwards and wrong. You'd be comforted uh, by the Spirit of God. And many times we look at and we talk about uh, Philippians chapter 4, 
let me just mention these verses here, where it says, be careful for nothing. Did he mean what, you know what nothing means? You know what the original, you know what mean, that word means? Nothing? It means nothing. It means nothing. Careful means anxious. You see? That's the opposite of comfort. When we find ourselves anxious over things, we're not going to the Lord. We're not letting the Holy Spirit do the thing that he was sent here to do. Jesus Christ, they tried to keep him from the cross. The thing that he was sent here to do, he was, they tried to stop him. And we ourselves stop the Holy Spirit sometimes from doing the thing that he was sent to do with us and for us. Mm -hmm. His comfort. We will sit and wallow in our anxiety and everything else. Eh? Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In other words, just call out to the Lord. <clears throat> call out to the... You try this next time you find that anxious and stuff, anxiety and stuff. Call out to the Holy Spirit. Lord, you're called the Comforter. I need comfort. I can't handle this. Th Lord, you know all about it. Hey? There should be no strife. There should be no arguments. There should be no anxiousness but only taking it to the Lord. That's what it says. They walked in the fear of God and the comfort of the Holy <coughs> Ghost. <coughs> there should be nothing like those other things told. For we are commanded to not let our heart be troubled. Our hearts are troubled. Twice the Lord Jesus said that to the disciples in, in John chapter 14. He's telling them, I'm going away. And one of the first things he tells them is, don't let your heart be troubled. You're going to have the comforter come. Let him handle it. Give him that thing. If you've got something today that you can't handle, you shouldn't have, right now, this moment, give it to the Holy Spirit. Acknowledge him as the comforter living right inside there. Do it. That we refuse the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We refuse the peace that God offers. And we continue on our own stubborn way. Why? Maybe we just don't know that. I've read, I don't know how many times I've read this passage, and I've never seen it like that before. Well, I, no, I'm kind of dumb, I guess, you know. I make a lot of mistakes, and, you know, anybody does, but I've never seen it. It's just a wonderful thing. God says, look at this. The comfort of the Holy Spirit. People are missing that. And he wants me to stand up here and tell you, I hope somebody's listened to it out there. I hope we're listening to it here. The comfort of the Holy Spirit, how it can change our lives. We refuse it sometimes. We go our own stubborn way. This is not God's way, or that is not God's way. That's not the way of peace and comfort for us to hold that thing, to remain in that thing. Okay. Note the end. Note the last two words of chapter, of verse 31. They walked in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the, of the Holy Spirit. They were multiplied. I don't know, that's a whole other topic to itself. That's a whole other thing. We can spend hours on that. We can spend days on that. But look, is, that, is the prerequisite to that being multiplied, God blessing, in that way, is the prerequisite to that to be walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit? Fear God for who He is and then receive that comfort, call up to Him, acknowledge Him, Bring it to Him and be anxious for nothing. Let us not be those 
that refuse to let the Spirit of God do His work and His job. What would you call anybody that would stop Jesus from going to the cross? Just thinking about it, that's all. Just some things for us to think about. Let's pray. Father, we just thank You for Your grace today. Thank You for Your goodness. And thank You for Your Word. And thank You, Lord. We just pray that You'd help us to understand that we would indeed walk in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to understand this and to live here. Lord, we just want to thank you now. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're doing a tag team today, so that's to Good afternoon. So, talking with Dad, there's clearly a theme rolling through today. Uh, what he spoke about this morning, and then uh, what he just spoke about prior. <clears throat> and it just so happens that in our continuation of uh, the Gospel of John, so please take your Bible and turn to uh, Gospel of John chapter 3. We're going to pick up where we left off, and it just so happens that where we're going to be picking up, uh, I just, uh, there's going to be a shorter message here, but I just want to finish up chapter 3. It's all about what we've been talking about is the comfort of God, the comfort of the Holy Ghost, the comfort of the, the Spirit of God. So uh, take your Bibles, turn to John chapter 3. And uh, where are we? at verse 33. I'm going to start at verse 33, read down to verse 36, and we'll pray. So John 3, verse 33. He that, he that hath received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true, for he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Let's pray. Our Father, we do thank you for this day, this time, and Lord, for the power and truth of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would bless this message, and Lord, that, uh, that these... Uh, would truly be a blessing and encouragement to the hearers. I pray that uh, you put a hedge protection about us, and Lord, that you'd be honored and glorified. In the name of our Lord Jesus, we ask, Father. Amen. All right, so in verse 33, as it says, He that hath received his testimony has set to his seal that God is true. Now, you'll notice some interesting words. What I like to, to see is where when the Lord get, spoke his word to his servants and told them what to write, so often we see down through that they use similar or even the same language. So you take a look at the beginning here, verse 33. Where else in the word of God have you heard, he that hath received his testimony? What does that sound like? Isaiah 53, who has believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? What does that mean, the arm of the Lord? It talks about how God, by the power of his right arm, wrought our salvation, that Jesus Christ is on his right side, that Jesus Christ is the right arm of God, the strength of God, the power of God to bring us our salvation. Who has received his testimony? The testimony of Jesus Christ. What does God command that you believe the gospel that you have heard? Believe what he has, has told you. What shall we do that might work the works of God? This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent. So we see here, he that hath received his testimony, look at this, hath set 
to his seal, has set to his seal, the seal of God. Now, I, online I talk to an awful lot of people and debate a lot of really interesting folks on, uh, in different uh, denominations and religions, and I'm always amazed at the idea that the people have that, as uh, Pastor Paul is talking about this morning, about in John 15, but the, the fruits, and as uh, where the branches, he's the vine, he doesn't bear fruit, and all this, that people take the word of God and think that their inabilities can break God's seal. That always just amazes me, that, that thinking, that, that I can do something that's more powerful than God. That's literally what they're saying. That my sin is more powerful than the blood of Christ. My inability is more powerful than the Holy Spirit. That I can that, that I can pry open the fingers of God. That my hands are strong enough to break the seal of God upon my heart. Isn't that just absurd? That's just absolutely absurd. Nowhere in the Word of God, from Genesis to Revelation, nowhere in the Word of God can you find even one singular iota that salvation can be removed, that I can lose my salvation, have it taken away, or I, or I can be recanted. Anyone who hints at that, even remotely, is a works-based salvationist. That's just what it is. He that hath received his testimony, so we receive the gospel. We believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We hear it. It convicts us. Hebrews 6, 4 to 6 talks about this. And the Spirit of God, we're a partaker of the Holy Ghost. He, he convicts us of our sin. He shows us our need. He shows us the cross. He shows us the truth. And we believe. Or we can reject. And if we believe, we have received his testimony. And God has sealed us. Ephesians 1, 13. In whom we also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. We see in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, as well as grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. So we see here the, the language, he that hath received the power of God, the truth of God, the word of God, Jesus Christ, our Lord God and Savior, and they believe on what he has done. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. We are sealed. And we know this, this, this singular two-facet aspect here, to receive and sealed, receive and sealed, we know this, that, that this is truth, and by the power of God to hold us, to seal us, by His grace, by His power, we know that God is true, because God can't lie. Because God said, this is how it is, this is what it is, I know that God is true. He that hath received His testimony, has said to his seal that God is true. 1 John uh, 5.13, that you may know that you have eternal life. Because this is the other question I also ask online. I know I talk about this a lot, but pretend you haven't heard it. Is, uh, is if I believe that my salvation could be lost, taken away, or be recanted, that my salvation could be removed by some aspect, some one way, shape, or form, or another, that my salvation could be removed, taken away, or whatever, if that is reality, can I say that I know that I'm saved? No. can't. You have to say, I hope so. I hope so. But the Bible says that he may know. That he may know. 
And because the Bible says that, I know that God is true and you can't lie, that's reality. So how can I know that God is true? But what does it say? That's the truth. What it says. As simple as that. As it says that who Jesus is, what Jesus did, who I am, what I must do, and what the consequences are if I reject. This is the truth. Whether I like it or not, this is reality. Now what I want to talk about is the comfort of God's seal. Now, it, what I want to do is uh, read down here, last couple here. For he that hath received his testimony hath said to his seal that God is true. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hand. That's uh, Isaiah 9, 6 and Philippians 2, 5 to 8. Talks about that more in detail. The Father loveth the Son, and giveth all things into his hand. He that believeth, simple belief, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Now what I want to talk about is when you do believe. So take your Bible and put a bookmark here, your thumb here, and go back to Matthew. Matthew 26, there's a verse here. This verse jumps out at me all the time. I'm always thinking about this. It's one of my favorite verses. Uh, pictures in scripture regarding salvation in Matthew chapter 26. Now, how many of you remember, and you should remember, if you don't, well, go read your Bible. But how many of you remember, as you see in, uh, in the Old Testament, the story of the Passover, or the Spirit of God passed over and protected those that were marked with the blood. Now, you remember the word Passover. Now, what does it mean? As we see the imagery here, when you do the study on this, it is to fight for, to fight for that God will stand over as the Lion of Judah and will fight for you to protect you. That's the picture. That's what it means. Now take a look here at Matthew 26, verse 18. And he said, Go into the city to such a man and say unto him, The master saith, My time is at hand, I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. Now, as we see in the Word of God, what are we called? What? Know ye not? Ye are the temple of God which is in you. Ye are not your own. You've been bought with a price. And that's, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, I will come in and, and sup with him and he with me. Does not the word of God teach that God lives in the heart of every believer? That we are now the house of God? We're the home of God? God lives in us? What did Jesus say? I will keep the Passover at thy house. I just want you to just take that little bit right there and mull that over. I will keep the Passover at thy house. All down through, we see the salvation is by grace through faith, by belief alone in the Lord God Jesus Christ alone, not by works, not by righteous works, not by works of the law. It's not by my ability in any way, shape, or form. It's not by my blood, my power, my will. It's not by my righteousness, not by my sanctification, not by my keeping justification. It's not by anything of me. It's all of him. Because it, it wasn't, God didn't look in the house to see who was worthy enough to be passed over. He just looked to see if there was the blood. It's as simple as that. 
who's marked with the blood of Jesus Christ, he stands over you and he will keep the Passover over you. He'll fight for you. As all the promises of God are true, all the promises that he gave to his saints, to his children, to his temples, to his priests, to his disciples, to his saved, all that he said he will hold and he will keep and he will, he will never break. God can't lie. In him is no darkness, the shadow of turning. In him is no evil. He did no evil. knew no evil. He's God, infinitely holy and true. And he says, I will pass over you and I will hold you. You're held in my hand. No one can pluck you up. It means you can't can't pluck yourself out either. So what am I going to do? Sit down and cry? Seriously. Either it's all true or it's not at all. Either it's all true or it's not at all. God said, I am your Passover. I am your strength. I am your sanctification. I am your righteousness. I am your wisdom. I will guide you. I am your bread. I'm your water. I'm your light. I'm your life. I'm your breath. I'm your everything. Call upon me. I will answer. All those come to me, I'll know I cast out. If you need anything, I will provide. Ask me, shall receive. Seek me, shall, uh, shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. And on and on and on and on and on. It goes on. He is our Passover. He stands over us to protect us, to hold us, to keep us. To, to shield us in all things. He's our Passover. Picture that. Use your sanctified imagination and actually picture God Almighty literally standing over you. We always talk about the picture of God is within us. God is standing beside us. Or God is way up there. But he's literally standing over us. You ever seen the pictures, the imagery, you know, a mother bear or a mother lion uh, uh, standing over their, their cubs, their, their little babies, how they stand over them to protect them against another, another beast, a predator? He's our Lion of Judah. Think of Lion of Judah, God Almighty, Lion of Judah, standing over us with his teeth and his claws, ready to wage war against anything that would come against us. He will rip asunder the wolves, the goats, the wolves, and the rats. He will fight for us. He'll, pro he'll provide for us. He brings us the food, the water, the protection, the guidance. He teaches. He instructs. This is who he is. He's not just a friend. He's not just a father. He's our fighter. He's our general of war. He's a god of war that fights for us. And who do you think could challenge him? Who do you think can challenge him? Can my inabilities cause him to become unable? Oh, but what? rather what does he do? Not only is he our, our, our general of war, he's our shepherd. He carries us, he provides us, he, he helps us. He's our everything. The, the Lord, L-O-R-D, all uppercase, L-O-R-D, all uppercase, meaning Jehovah God is my shepherd. Jehovah God is my lion of Judah. Jehovah God is my fill in the blank. It's, that's how easy it is. Just as easy as salvation is, the rest of the story is just as easy. That no matter what we're going through, no matter what it is, no matter how insufficient you feel, your insufficiencies do not empty God's sufficiencies. It's as simple as that. I'd like to share something with you. <clears throat> something I wrote regarding this. This one I called uh, Hell's Orphan. 
Praise the Lord who is worthy to be praised, for he is God and there is none else. King of kings, he reigns on high, my Lord, in fear my heart it melts. Why, O Lord, your mercy gift when my sin laid out and you do know? A child of hell as judgment's slave, your law was broken and name did throw. Cursed your cross and slated your truth, mocked your word and grieved your way. A sinner of sinners you took in your hand, this devil's child's price you offered to pay. Your patience grace such an overthrow, looking beyond my darkness and see my need. Embraced me in my mud and kissed my soul, your blood it washed and my life was freed. You cleansed hell's orphan and fed your bread, water of life it washed it down. You signed the book to own my name, the deed of my heart, your home is bound. Who am I, O Lord, to grab your focus? I'm a challenge for your everlasting patience. No words could I ever offer to describe your kindness. I just rest and trust while you make the changes. Your child broken but bound with ropes so righteous, this clay molded as you planned. You are now my everlasting adoptive father. Abba, my God, never let go of my hand. You made me a room in your temple home. I no longer live in hell's dark prison. Fountains of grace flowing in the courtyard was once lost, but your light I have arisen. Mount Calvary, that hill, the monument of my soul. My God, my God, I'll never understand. You saved me from my sins weighted chains. Lord Jesus, my rock, pulled me from hell's quicksand. Devil rats, my mind they used to gnaw. Sin my hands, its chains did bind. Rats gutter my bed once I had made. The streets Christ wandered till my soul did find. My frailty held in your salvation arms, carried on grace's wings of love. No longer lost, but now am found, forever your child in heaven above. Lord Jesus, O oh Abba, what can I say? The task of saving my wretched soul. Eternity is not long enough to sufficiently thank you how this orphaned child is found and made whole. I will keep the Passover. He that hath received his testimony has set to his seal that God is true. He rescued us as slaves of sin, orphans of hell, enemies of God. He plucked us out of the fire and he sealed us with his spirit, washed us by his blood, gave us a new name and glory, wrote us in the Lamb's book of life, and he says, I will never leave you, never forsake you, I'll never let you go. There's nothing you could possibly do to invalidate my promises. I am who I am, you are who you are, you're the clay, I'm the potter. Who do you think you are? Does the thing form say to him which formed it, why have you made me thus? We are who we are by the grace of God. I must decrease, he must increase. We set to his seal, his promises, his word, his gospel, his ways. The flesh, the senses, the emotions, the feelings of the flesh do not invalidate the truth of God. We know that God is true, let every man be a liar. That's what it is. He that believeth hath everlasting life. All those who believe in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Our Father, we do thank you for this day. And Lord, for the power and truth of your word. Lord, that you are true. 
And Lord, that we can trust you, we can look to you in all things. Lord, we thank you for your salvation, for your promises, for your grace, for your power, for the comfort of your seal. Lord, for the comfort of your Holy Ghost, of your spirit, your person, Lord, your breath, your life. Lord, I pray that you'd strengthen us, you would hold us. Lord, Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I ask that you please rid from us any form of heaviness, any feeling, Lord, of our self-insufficiencies. I pray that you would help us to look to you, to, to rejoice in you, to be filled with your joy, the joy of your spirit, that the oil of your gladness, oil, Lord, of the garment of your praise, and Lord, I pray that you would help us. And Lord, you'd strengthen us and protect us as we go our way. In the name of our Lord Jesus, we pray. Thank you.